0: welcome to behind the dm screen it is february of 2021 we are three dms talking about our games and helping each other out i am jeff greiner with me as always is well as usually is uh mike shea yo and sam dylan hello all right, that's all the introduction you get, Mike. You Yo. have 15 minutes on the clock. Tell us about your game. All right, uh,
1: I have started my rhyme of the frostbitten campaign.
0: Did we have? Did we get the conclusion
1: of? of no, everyone? and you're not going to, because I only have 15 minutes. So you want to see uh. that? You go to my other show <laughs> on Sunday. So we don't to get we the don't Sly get the resolution. Channel or my YouTube channel, and you can see 45 hours of me talking about everyone, I don't, I don't including have time a for
0: video. Well, it's also on the
1: Sly Flourish podcast. So If you go to the DM Deep Dive podcast, you will hear a wonderful, probably an hour and a half show that I'm going to shoot on Sunday, where I talk about the finale of my game. But we're talking about Frostmaiden today. Frostmaiden. My Eberron game. I ended it. It was great. People loved it. Frostmaiden. So, (laughs) um, we're three sessions in. We had a session zero, a session one, and a session two. And, uh, it's it's some work. This one's a tough one. Uh, Sam and I have been talking about this. So the Sly Flourish Discord channel, which you should also check out. Uh, yeah. It has we have a special Frostmaiden Maiden channel there that's just for spoiling Frost Maiden stuff, right? And. I wanted it as a place where we could all come and talk about Frostmaiden and we're all running it. And so Sam and I have talked about lots of stuff. Sam Sam hangs out in there and lots of people hang out in there we talk about what's going on with Frostmaiden. And uh, so I ran a session zero and I've I've got some tricky bits. One is that I I had, so I had a player leave a long time ago and we never replaced him. And we just sat with five, five, main players. Uh but we had another player who was also stepping out. I was down to four. And so we brought in two new players. So I've got six. We you know I try to usually keep six because somebody's usually out. And if somebody's out then I've got plenty of players to keep going. Right. Uh but because I brought two new players in who are both great guys, uh and uh but they're new to the game. So they are ready to play full time. So I've got six players every every week. And um which is a little harder to do online. I'm not right. used to I my my Sunday group is also six players and I've managed that. So, you know, I didn't think it'd be a big deal. Um, but two brand new players to my style, two brand new players to the group, brand new campaign, brand new characters. Uh, and the session zero went fine. We, we had, you know, we built our characters together. Uh, we picked a, I I chose a group patron, which was, uh, Danica, the, um, Mm -hmm. she's like a sage. That's the one that gives you the quest to find the, um, twingas. And I built her up. So she's more sort of like a sage druid type who's trying to figure out what crazy stuff is going on with nature. Are you you
0: using the group patron rules from Tasha? I'm
1: using the group patron, kind of. So, you know, I haven't really used it. So what kind of patron is she? Uh, Probably the sage. Is that uh, one? Or the, there's like a, I don't have my Tasha's handy. Uh, but I think there's like a religious order one that can give you some access to stuff, mostly okay. access to like spells and and other sort of prairie prairie uh-huh. sort of things. But I don't know how much that's going to come into play. I I I think that they're going to you know the characters are going to end up being more self-sufficient than a patron's going to be for them. Okay. Uh, here. So, but they picked their group patron. They built the characters together. We have a really cool cast of characters. Uh, we have two furbolgs, a Goliath, a. Um, Snurf Neblin, uh, Snurf Neblin, Gnome, a Drow, and a Asimar. So a pretty wide range of crazy races, right? Um, And they, you know, so we we started off, and and I knew up front that uh, running the Cephic Cold Open, there's no way I was going to run it as is. Again, we can have all kinds of conversations about what you should do and what you shouldn't do and all that. And I said, i want I like the murder. I like the idea of the murder mystery, but I wanted to actually have like a more of a mystery feel to it. So this, by the way, this is totally full of spoilers for Rhyme of the Frostman, mm-hmm. if you couldn't tell. And uh, so I had them like they start off walking down the street, heading to the Northlook Inn. In Bryn Shander. I started in Bryn Shander. We can have a conversation about that, too. And they were uh, going down, and they looked, and they saw two creatures eating a body. Like, there's a body of somebody lying on the ground. There's two creatures hunched over that are chewing on it. And so they, you know, they're not going to just keep walking. They go over, and they turn around. There's two ghouls. And so the, the ghouls charge at them. They fight the ghouls. They're level one, uh, but there's six of them. So they didn't really have too hard a time fighting and beating the ghouls. A couple of them got hit. It was a little dangerous, because they had probably like seven damage. Uh And then they killed the ghouls and they saw that the ghouls had this like strange sigil marked on their foreheads um, and like weird glowing blue eyes, which is sort of a theme that I'm throwing throughout a lot of this. A lot of weird glowing blue eyes in this in this adventure. And uh, they go to the body and they see, yeah, sure, they were chewing on this body and eating it. But the body wasn't killed by the ghouls. The the body uh, was killed by a slashed throat and a pierced, uh, pierced heart. And when they looked at the pierced heart, it was like a piece of ice. Uh, And they pulled it out and it looked like a blade of a knife made out of ice that broke in the wound. And, And because it was so cold, it stayed as ice. But eventually it started to melt like when they're handling it. And so they're like, huh, OK, well, we don't think the ghouls did this. Like, who did this? So then they said, well, let's go and talk to Danica. We'll go meet with our patron. They met with their patron. And she said, yeah, huh, that's crazy. And and there was a lot of people talking about this murder that went on there. So they sort of noted the fact that there are murders going on in Bryn Shander that are really weird. Uh, what they discovered a little bit is that the murdered victim was somebody who bought his way out of the lottery for the sacrifices. And so now there's like, huh? Like, who knew that they bought their way out? That's going to tell us something. And that came up sort of sessions later. Uh, so they meet Danica, and Danica says, "That's great. Uh, one of the things that we want to do here, you know, I was very, very kind of hard about like the goal of the characters is to help the people of uh, of the Ten Towns survive the Endless Night. Their goal is not to find out why the Endless Night is occurring or how to get rid of it. Their goal is to help the people of Ten Towns survive it." And when you have that as the motivation for the campaign, all of the other quests make sense, right? So if the motivation for the campaign is stop the endless night, every quest is a sidetrack that doesn't have anything to do with that, except the one that does.
0: But but even the one later on to actually go to Oral and yeah. to stop well, the endless night. Yeah, well then it can open sense. up,
1: right? Now yeah. you can sort of add that, but it's not the quest. It, this is sort of your Tomb of Annihilation problem. Don't start off Tomb of Annihilation by saying, "Hey, first level characters, we want you to save." All of the people in the world from a crazy curse in this deep forest will teleport you. Our twentieth level mage will teleport you to the starting city to take care right. of it for you. Right? Doesn't often, make any sense at all.
0: Especially save all of the people of the world who are powerful enough to have been raised. Yeah, in to the deal dead. with it. Right. Yeah. Right. stuff <laughs> right. Well. right.
1: So <laughs> the, instead, you 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 look at what the adventure has and you build the theme around that. And the theme is mm-hmm. surviving in isolation in Icewind Dale. So that's the theme that I'm kind of reinforcing. Mm, right. And then figuring out and they might. So one of the things is one of the characters is a twilight cleric and she doesn't want the night to come back. She likes the fact that it's a night there all the time. She's a drow mm-hmm. twilight cleric. And, and her thought is like, how do I make sure all the people of 10 towns can still survive here and embrace the fact that they're in night? Cause we have entire civilizations that never have right. sunlight.
2: So I don't know how that's going to play out. Right. Well, that's see, that's what, what I was going to say is do you, you add the backgrounds of the, the, the people. Yeah. That's where you make their motivations matter. Right. Like, right. Like I like my party, my group, my players knew that kind of the idea is you're going to stop that you're you're trying to stop this thing, but their their PCs don't know that. All their PCs know is what got them, what part of their background got them to Tin Towns. Yeah, sure. So it's the same kind of thing where I'm focusing on the environment and everything that's going on. Everybody's trying to survive more so than hey, your job is to just find Oral and destroy her. Like that's right. Like
1: and you could see that it would be. A lot of the complaints I've read about this adventure, and then I talked to to Teo Sabadía about this, right? And he has sort of the same thing. It's like, it's missing a theme, right? It's a great right. big adventure that's missing a theme. And 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 not only is it missing a theme, but all of the sort of sub-adventures together don't have a central theme, and that that's a flaw right. of the adventure. And I'm like, look, I think it's got a lot of flaws in a lot of ways, but I think it was designed to be this sort of, it's almost Storm King's Thunder-like, mm-hmm. in that the central theme doesn't have to be the thing that you're focusing on. and, and but it But it doesn't clarify, like, you know, this is what the theme should be, right? Focus on this. And so right. I'm doing, it.
0: I have one question. You created this theme that, that in your mind ties everything together. Yeah. And and I can see where that leads to tying in the, the oral thing eventually as well. Sure. How does it tie in those last, what is it? Two chapters?
1: Yeah. So they know that there's, so I, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I, okay. I'm pretty sure I'll be able to tie them in, but one thing I'm going to do is you're not Probably, I'm not going to run it where you solve the night problem in two chapters before the end of the book. Right. So, I think I'm going to, I think we talked about this in the Maiden channel too, that, you know, I'm probably going to move the idea that the only, if you want to restore the day, you have to go down into the, into, yeth, what is it called? Yethrin, the, the yethrin? City. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the, the old city, right? The old <laughs> Netherese city. So, I want that to play more. And I don't know if, you know, like, I, I, you know, I'm, that's so far off. That's months away. Right. So, right, I'm right. not. Like I'll figure it out, you know. Right now, I just want to figure out like how do I deal with freaking winter wolves at level two. That's my problem, right? right. And and this is this is like to me the big flaws of <laughs> of the adventure. Now, lucky me, I picked apparently the worst quest of the ten to 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 you know for for the characters. Um, so yeah, so session one went great, and then session two we started off, and you know I had done a I had done a um, uh, a, a little bit of talk of the themes of the adventure. And and recognizing, like, look, if anybody's got a problem with anything at any time, say something in chat, say something in a DM, whatever you want to do. Uh, and it wasn't enough. Because there's there are a lot of themes in this adventure that can be rough for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. Mm-hmm. And in the second session, uh, we played um, the Goblin uh, uh, Foaming Mugs. So Foaming Mugs is the Bryn Shander quest. And one of the reasons I like starting off Bryn Shander is that it's probably one of like only two of the 10 quests that are good for like level one and two. All of the rest of them are like level three and up. You know, they're really like, you look at them and they're hard quests for, for levels one and two. And uh, the, the quest went great. But one of the backgrounds we had from one of the characters, one of the secrets was she can talk to Yetis. Right. And so we, they, so I was like, well, I got to play this. And so I had them, the, the, that whole theme is about dwarves got attacked by a Yeti. The Yeti killed them the 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 iron is all sitting out there you have to go get the iron and a bunch of goblins jack you mm-hmm. while you're trying to get the iron and so on so you're actually attacking when the goblins are there but i'm like well now i've got one of the characters who talks to a yeti i definitely have the one to have the yeti show up and the yeti showed up and the yeti's talking to the characters and this is a yeti and he's kind of still you know she can talk to him and so she's having this nice conversation that doesn't mean he's not a jerk right and it doesn't mean he's still not like He's third level and he's like, you know, I killed the dwarves because I'm hungry and I'm still hungry. And the players were like, well, how about you eat one of our mules? <laughs> right. And everyone's like, oh, that's, you know, and everybody started running with that. And one of our players is not good with violence. You know, it's, it's one thing when, like, you're fighting a bunch of wolves it's something else for you to give up a mule you bought at the store and is your you're caretaking for right. yeah so so you're you gonna know. love my story about a moose thing so it, when it's my talk. yeah well so it, it it upset her and she said it but she said it in discord chat and we had 15 windows open and we missed it so then afterwards I kind of found out you know that this went on and I'm and it, you know it was it was pretty bad so I really you know so so what was it? Today's Thursday. So last night I said I spent a whole week kind of thinking about it. I spent a whole, week, you know, I did videos on it. I did. A, I put up a video on YouTube about safety tools and, mm-hmm. and, and like the safety tool stack that I want in line. And I think mm-hmm. now I've got a pretty good, like it's the first time I've really needed it. And, and this is one of those things. It's almost the same
0: story as, as when my group got yeah, to remember. Kresk and, and yeah. the,
1: the one player had
0: a real issue with the, the, the Gollum Bride uh, for Strahd mm-hmm. that, that had yeah. no voice, that couldn't speak. And that was a right, real right. A real issue. Right. right, right.
1: So, yeah, and it's, this is not a situation of like, well, we have a new group and one of the new people is very sensitive to things. These are this is someone I played with for decades. Mm-hmm. Right. And we've never had a problem, but this was. And, and, and part of it, I think, is also the, like the stacking on of the hopelessness of this adventure really adds to it. Your, the stress level is a lot higher for everybody when you're playing in this kind of world. So things like that, I think, fire up more so than if you're like in mm. Eberron, where everything's beautiful and clean and bright. <laughs> so, so, you know, so I kind of rebuilt this stack of like what my, what my safety tools are, which is very clear lines, very clear veils. Anybody can add to the lines and veils as they want. And then our version of an X card, which is a statement that is, pause for a moment. Right. And when anybody says pause for a moment, all in game stuff stops. We break character and we say, sure, what's going on? And so I brought this up and I said, this is how, you know, this is how we'll handle this kind of stuff. And somebody used it you know, in the game yesterday. So uh, and they, they didn't use it for something that was bothering them. But they did use it to break character to say, I think you forgot in my backstory. I've done a lot of work for this guy that you're making like he doesn't okay. know us at all. And I said, oh, that's right. So I said, okay, great, back in. Oh, you helped us with all that stuff, right? And so it was beyond being used as a as a safety tool. Mm -hmm. It also is a good way to just make it clear, like we're breaking character, because like one of the things I think gets overdone is like, you know, we think of safety tools like it has to be like the most extreme trauma, you know, situation where we drop in. And the answer is like, it can be anything, and it can be a minor thing. But go ahead and have something that just, you know, does a timeout. And
0: one of the things I like about the way it was used that you just described was that it normalizes the use so that yeah. when there when there is something serious then it's right. just this is just a thing we
1: do sometimes it's and just it's okay. Yeah. a thing we do sometimes. Hopefully, and it's just hopefully. a way to – you know. Yeah, and and so as a DM I have to, you know, one of the things I love about D&D is I've been playing 25 years or more. I don't know mm-hmm. how long I've been playing. A long time, almost 30 years. And I'm learning all new stuff all the time. And mm-hmm. I have to kind of think differently about how I play the game. So one of the things I have to do is recognize, like, if some, if I think somebody is uncomfortable or there's, like, an interaction between the PCs that's weird or uncomfortable, yeah. I can say, pause for a minute. Are we all cool with how this is going? Right? It, you know, is this all in-game? Or mm-hmm. So, like, an example I think I mentioned before in my Ghost of Saltmarsh game, I had players... So I had some players that allied with a vampire and I had other players that hated the fact that the other players right. had allied with the vampire. I never really ad- I did talk to them offline and they're like, "Yeah, no, it's fine." But I never had a chance in game to say, "Hey everybody, break character. Are we okay with the, you know, with this kind of stuff? I'm so going. I'm not done." No.
0: I I wouldn't expect anything less.
1: <laughs> so uh, so yeah, I, I agree that like the idea of being able to have a tool like this that isn't, you know, it doesn't have to be the most extreme circumstance mm-hmm. for its use, but it does kind of interrupt everything. and it, mm-hmm. and it should be, in my opinion, should be used as a, yeah, everybody stop, like whatever you're doing because part of the problem that happened is everybody was piling on on the situation, and the person without anybody realizing it felt ganged up on, right? right. It felt like their opinion was pushed aside by five you know five, six other people who are running. they didn't even know. So, you know, that that you got to stop it right at the moment and say, oh, hang on. You know, the minute I hear somebody else say pause for a minute, I got to stop all of the other conversations, regardless of where they are, and say, hey, let's have a conversation about this. Yeah. So that's that whole side of it. And I mean, it's a in, in, learning experience for me.
0: There, There's there's some like I'm imagining some scenarios I've had recently um, and there's some risk to it in terms of like breaking immersion and that the emotional moment in the game was was powerful but i'd rather i'd rather risk that (laughs) and and not
1: not make somebody uncomfortable right i would yeah yeah i would far i would be far yeah it's it's much better to risk breaking that kind of connection i had and i I think uh, you'll get back there like you know i think if like you know if there wasn't anything risky you know, right. and going I think you could be drop back in and probably not lose much. But we're not doing theater, right? We're just playing a game. So right. It's, right.
2: You know. And in some ways, the person saying, Let's pause for a minute during a really pivotal emotional or powerful moment yeah. actually underscores and elevates that as okay, this moment is is powerful. So affecting right. that we had to pause like, so rather than breaking immersion, it might actually add to the idea you of it. People being people take it all more seriously. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So then, so the tricky,
1: so, so that, that aside, then we had our game yesterday and the game went fine. It was a, you know, a good game, a seven out of 10, according to the three people I surveyed on it. Cause you know, yeah. I like my data. And, um, <laughs> so, which is seven out of 10 is my, my solid. That's mm-hmm. like a solid game as far as I'm right. concerned. Uh, and we so I, I what I've been doing in the way I've been running the game is that at, when they finish one of the quests, they go back to the quest, they go back to the patron and the patron offers them a number of quests that they can take. And I'm doing a dragon of ice peak style. So they're offered three. They pick one. They go do that. They come back. The other two are still there. They pick one of the remaining two. Mm-hmm. They do that. And then they get three new quests. And one of the other quests drops off the the list at that point. And that way there's a constant cycle of new ones. They always have a choice and it will scale through the levels and everything like that. So in my opinion, I kind of wish the adventure did that instead of like, here's 13 quests. Figure out which ones you want to do. Don't do that one. That's going to kill them. Right? So I've been doing that, but one of the quests, I put the three quests out and I'm like, these are pretty reasonable quests. These seem okay. And uh, the one they picked was uh, called Hold Up, which is set in Dugan's Hole. And Dugan's Hole... They picked it because they're like, oh, yeah, like people are disappearing and and there's weird (laughs) talking wolves and they kind of like the talking wolves thing. So, like, let's go deal with what's going on there. Uh, But boy, that that whole region and the quest is full of problems. A, I don't know who decided at Watsi like, hey, let's have a whole town full of people that are engaged in incest. Like, that Mm -hmm. sounds fun. You know, let's have them all a bunch of inbred inbred people. That's funny. No, it's really not. So I'm like, OK, I'm going to throw all that out. And it's just a poor it's just a poor place. Right. It's just it's the it's the lowest town on the list and they're broke. Right. And they're, they're like the, that. They're probably the one that where they where the the frost has, you know, the the the, the night, the eternal night has hit them the hardest. And now they're losing people and they're getting extorted by wolves. And they're like we're losing meat to wolves. So they they explain the whole situation. Well, the other problem with it is the the wolves that are extorting them are level are, are winter wolves right? Winter wolves are badass, right? Winter right. wolves mm-hmm. breed for 18 points of damage on a breath weapon. And now you could say, well, Mike, why did you pick that as a quest? They could get at level two. And that's a good question. But <laughs> the problem is like, that's really hard, right? And they're going to wipe out a group, right? They'll wipe out a group. So I'm like, look, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about it and I'm like, and they so they met him, they had it and they met the wolves and they liked the, Sort of, you know, the good guy, bad guy, wolf. They they realize it right away. They're like, "Are we getting good copped, bad copped by two wolves?" Right? Like, <laughs> it was really funny. And then the wolves, like, well, let me, you know, they're working out a deal. And the wolves are taking him to the den, where the, you know, the, where the frost giant was and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know what I'm gonna do with that until next session. But they're like, I don't, you know, like I really trust these wolves. These wolves are great. And they're like, not. Nah. But the way the adventure goes is, yeah, there's all this conversation with the wolves, but there's really no end state for the wolves that doesn't end up without you fighting them and killing them or them wiping you out which is more likely so I'm just going to downgrade them to dire wolves like I'm going to I I called them winter wolves I described them as winter wolves I'll probably give them dire wolves with a breath weapon and call it a day right which I hate doing I hate doing that I hate downgrading monsters like if you fight a winter wolf it should be a winter wolf that's that's my but I screwed up kind of right like i think
2: the adventure mm-hmm. kind of screwed up
1: but i'll Bro, I, you know the I, adventure kind of screwed see.
0: up you kind of screwed up you could argue the players kind of screwed up by picking a quest that they weren't ready for like well,
1: <laughs> well i mean like, but if the thing is like if i offer three quests they should be reasonable quests for your level like you shouldn't you shouldn't expect that one of them is going to wipe maybe. you out you know i mean and the, and the problem is there isn't a solution for the wolves yeah. you know there isn't a clear solution for the wolves other
2: than fighting them right they're trying the players are trying but the wolves are assholes right I mean, I mean, so that's a playstyle thing whether whether or not each quest should be actually set right. to the level of the players. But that's a, or the PCs, that's a different actual conversation. What I did was I used a winter wolf in the very first session that we played. Yeah. And I I had it with like two other wolves that were all they were all emaciated, like really starving and hungry, and so they were very weakened, but the winter wolf still had a breath. And I made sure that um, when the wolf breathed, it breathed at the two PCs that have resistance for some reason, right? Because I knew that it could take them out. And I didn't want to – look, I'm not afraid of killing a PC. I don't have a problem with that. But It wasn't a mistake they made. But we put (laughs) a lot – right, it wasn't a mistake. But we put a lot of work into the Session Zero and their backstories and their secrets – and I think that should be worth something, you know. I think mm-hmm. that that I shouldn't just indiscriminately kill a PC because, well, that's a really tough creature and they happened to – because they had a chance to run away from it. it. It wasn't pursuing them. They could have actually gotten away and they chose to confront it and fight it. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that the PC should die on the first session of this. What I wanted to do and the reason why I gave them that particular encounter – it wasn't the whole quest. It was just an encounter with a couple of emaciated wolves, but I did that to show them how desperate everything in this area is. And also, you know, when they, so they killed the wolves, they took the wolf pelt, they took the wolf meat, they tried to take, you know, fangs and stuff so that they could go have things to trade with because they had already heard how bad this area was. So for me, giving them that particular encounter was for a very different reason than just mm-hmm. having a combat to wet their whistle you know sure. so there was no way i was going to let them be killed by
0: and and it that. also kind of gave them the the clue that hey winter wolves are, are no joke and you know when 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 you hear later on that there's a problem with winter wolves you might think twice about whether or not you're ready to go take care of it so. yeah
2: i mean my party won't go won't get that quest because yeah just not... i mean
1: i think there's all right mike are you done uh, I think so. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll just like let like, you. Know, so my, you know, I was critical of Rhyme of the Frost Maiden pretty much as soon as it came out, and then I backed off on my criticism because I'm like, it's true, I haven't tried it. Now I've tried it and I'm still critical. Yeah. Right. Okay. Like, hey, hey, I, hey, I was right. You yeah. know? and I know there's like a million ways. Actually, a lot of the reasons why people don't like it are different. So that's something. Yeah. And I'm sure I can wrangle it into something good. I'll be interested
0: but, uh, if I ever if I ever give it a shot because I w- I think you and I were probably equally critical, and you and I have very different takes on a lot of th- a lot of these things. For example, decision to
1: Avernus. It just makes you do. It's making you know, for fifty bucks. It's making me do too much work. That's my yeah. That's my I get real that. issue.
2: Okay. All right. See, back. I come at that from a totally different perspective. Even though I spent 50 bucks, because I know that the first half of this adventure is sandboxy, I know I'm putting in the work. So that part doesn't bother me. And the really deadly aspect of it, I kinda of, I like that style. That's closer to the as much as I just sat here and said I didn't want to kill my players in the first game you had your world breathe
1: on the guys with cold resist
2: right but but i but but the thing is like it got the point across right Right. my players are now so leery of any kind of danger blizzard they're looking at the weather they're looking at you know the cold light walkers have completely freaked them the hell out Mm -hmm. and they've only seen one from like 150 feet away i mean it's like it's it's crazy but (laughs) you know but i like that style and i like the style where it's very deadly and where the quests are really deadly because it teaches them that they have to find other ways but you're right about about the fact that some of the quests don't really have a way to talk yourself out of it so how did do, that doesn't square with how every you know so it's really important for the dm of this adventure to choose which quests they want to put in front of the players because mm-hmm. if you don't and you run it really as a pure sandbox without the right set of players they're all going to end up dead they're going to yeah they're going go to go the yep. wrong place and die okay
0: so let's switch now uh before we uh before we do though i do what i mentioned our sponsor awesome dice.com uh they are our curator and and seller of awesome dice appropriately uh and and the thing the one I want to highlight this time around we've highlighted their their sharp edge dice and their cannabis themed dice and their metal dice and their dice subscription boxes and all that kind of stuff. One of the things that I don't have in in my dice collection that I have to start thinking about is the um the the gemstone dice and and I particularly like the look of their bloodstone dice. Um and where, where you know, and it's a nice. It's sort of the the gray black stone with the red running through it. And they talk about how they're all um, they're all hand carved uh, as well. And so there's some craftsmanship here. And if you're not 100% satisfied, you can swap them out for another set or get a 100% refund. Um, so check that out at AwesomeDice.com and all their other uh, fantastic dice uh, And let them know that the Tom Show sent you so that they recognize uh, how you heard about them Look, if you're going to roll dice, you're going to need precision AwesomeDice.com has shop edge dice for a fraction of the price of other such precision dice sellers Chill out, my man Oh, hello, Bard Please Share your Bardic Inspiration about Dice. Yeah, I've got Bardic Inspiration Dice. It's this totally mellow cannabis theme set with smoky interior. Exclusively available at AwesomeDice.com. I see. Well, Precision, Bardic Inspiration, or one of countless other unique Dice sets, it seems you can get it all at the most awesome dice company on the internet, awesomedice.com. And don't forget to let them know the Tome Show sent you dudes. All right, Sam. Yes, I'm, sir. I'm going to put a strict 15 minutes on the clock for you. Harsh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Why?
0: Why? Because Mike <laughs> went twenty-five, twenty. There is a minutes. lot of
1: <laughs> cross chatter. Yeah.
2: That's I the interrupt point interrupt of the that.
0: show. We're supposed to talk to each other. Yeah, shouldn't <laughs> okay, <be> so. <laughs>
2: no. All right. So, uh so I'm still running a whole ton of games, but I will talk about Frost Maiden because that seems to be the topic Yay. of the day. So, um so so far my party has uh so in the first session, I told you I had them have that wolf encounter. So at the end of the first session, because they handled that so well, I leveled them up to two. Mm-hmm. So they were level two, really, by the time they got any of the actual quests. They uh, they I, did. I, I, know, I know you've talked
1: for like eight seconds, and I'm already interrupting. <laughs> uh, just two. to note, like when they killed those ghouls in mine. Uh, they were level They were level 2 that session. So they were yeah, level yeah, 2 yeah. after the session 0 because I knew I didn't want to deal with level 1 anymore.
2: Yeah. Well, so I made them level 3 after the second session. So it only took them a couple of sessions to get up to the point where they can basically overrun any of these quests. Um, but part of that's because there's so much stuff going on that they've kind of... So anyway, so they, uh, they started in Targos. The way I gave them the... Um, the The killer, the the cold-hearted killer quest was that they found a body, ok? They've now found a body in every major town they've been to. yeah,
0: you turned it into a whole like scavenger hunt. Uh, yeah, it's
2: it, it's thing. a whole they they It took them some investigation to figure out what happened. and and, mm-hmm. Uh, and i and I also did the thing where, you know, they figured out that the person who was murdered had something to do with basically either cheating their way out of having their name drawn in the lottery or buying buying it off somehow. there There's actually been three different ways that this has come about. So, uh, for example, in, in Termelane, the the person who was killed is this, the the young caller, so the town caller who's who's t- who's telling everybody when they walk in, uh, he's on like on the street corner, he's like a fourteen year old kid or something, and he's telling everybody, hey, you know, there's creatures in the mine and whatever, whatever. Um, I had them find his body the next morning, and it turns out his father is the one who was draw who draws names. They that was said that's his job, and he drew his own son's name and he put it back. Right. And then he drew a different name, and then like three days later, uh, his son was found, his body was found, and he admitted it to the players. He he was like – he asked to talk to the speaker alone, and because they had already told the speaker, hey, we know there's been two other murders in two other towns, he said – Talk to me in front of them. They're they're gonna help us. And the guy admitted, like, I couldn't I couldn't turn my son's name, my own son's name in, so I I had to pick a different name. And now this is all my fault. He's he's gone anyway. And and you can't let my wife know. My wife doesn't know that that happened. And like, it became this huge emotional thing. Talk about like pausing for a second, right? Like that was a uh, you know, and all that was uh, like the so the murder and everything's off camera. So there there was no like um you know gruesome murder like visual or anything like that it was just they found the frozen body it had the carved you know thing in it right um so they so they got that quest really early on so they were really investigating things they the first real quest they did was foaming mugs because they went from targos into bren shander and um and so they, they were in Black Iron Blades looking for a weapon for one of the PCs, and that's when I had the the dwarves come in and oh, say, nice. oh,
0: we were attacked by a Yeti. Yeah, and- Foaming Moses is the one where they go out into the wilderness and, and right. try to recover right. the, the iron that's right. been lost. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a great... Yeah. It's they a pretty
1: great, solid intro quest.
2: Yeah, it? it's a really good intro quest. And it puts them in Bryn Shander really early. With, Bryn Shander is a really good starting town. Yeah. Um, but they So they went out, they got the ingots, they brought them back, they completely destroyed the goblins, they set the polar bears free. You know, one of my PCs is a redhead tribesman from the bear tribe, so that was really a, a good thing for them to have. And so as a reward, they got like they got the weapon that they had been looking at, and they got free snowshoes, and they got, you know, the thanks of of, you know, of the people and and then the next day they went and asked uh, Elsa the 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 person who runs the front of the house you know the, the blacksmith's sister at Black Iron Blades they asked her if they could have a set of blacksmith's tools and so they bargained for that so that was their reward they didn't get a whole bunch of money they didn't because I'm running it very like sca- there's scarcity going on and yeah. people are bartering and there there's not really a lot of coin around so forget the forget any rewards that have anything to do with money right um They've done the beautiful mind quest, and they have just now finished the lonely wood. That almost finished the lonely wood. They <laughs> so they went and found the moose. Okay, and um, oh, and I and I gave them. I also gave them the nature spirits quest. But instead of having Danica Graysteel give it to them, I had them meet Velen Harpell, and they just saw her looking for something and she said, oh, I'm a researcher and I'm looking for this. And if you see them, I'll pay for, you know, I'll pay you, you know, I'll pay you well for, like, right. bringing me information. The character things, with right? the least
0: suspicious name ever.
2: Right, I know. Well, that's exactly <laughs> what they said, too. Did they purposefully name this person villain? Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so so they, so they that's how I sort of got all the sort of main players in here. So now they now they have these contacts, right? But Anyway, so um so they they go to uh, they find the elven tomb in uh, so they hear all the stuff about the moose, right? They go find the moose, they find the elven tomb and they kill uh Ravisson the druid who was awakening all these things, right? Um and she yells at them that, you know, the that that oral's going to make the towns pay, and know, that, that this is this was retribution for all these horrible things that that, that happened in the towns. And so then they're trying to figure out what happened, and they find the sister's body in the sarcophagus. So they go out to talk to the moose, and one of the players, because they they finished the beautiful mind quest and I had the player find the crystal, so that player can actually telepathically talk to the moose. So I have the moose tell the player, tell the you, PC. You keep talking about
0: the moose as if all of our listeners should automatically know what the moose oh, is. <laughs> I'm
2: talking
1: about I know who the moose is. <laughs> yeah, I know you so, do cuz
2: you're running so the adventure. The quest in Lonelywood is that there is a white moose, a giant white moose on a rampage and they're kill it's killing people. So the speaker of of Lonelywood has asked asks the party to go take care of this threat right dispatch the moose fi- figure out a way to make it go away do whatever to get rid cuz lonelywood relies on their logging industry and the loggers are now afraid to go out into the woods because they're getting attacked and trampled okay So when the party goes to find the moose, they find the moose in this old elven tomb that has – it has some wards around it so not just anybody could find it. But, you know, because the party is the party, they end up finding it. And Ravison, a druid that has been awakening all these animals, is in there. And she awakened the moose and is using a a mirror that acts like a crystal ball to show the moose who they should – attack next, right? To 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 let the moose track their enemies, right? So what I did was I I told I had the moose tell the PCs a story, and the story was the sister that got murdered, the Ravison sister, who was also a druid, got murdered by these five woodsmen because Either they, the implication was they attacked her and she was going to tell on them, so they had to kill her, or she saw them doing something illegal and they were afraid she was going to spill the beans, so they had to kill her. Either way, she didn't deserve to die, right? And they killed her. And at least that's what the moose has been told by Ravison. They don't really know if it's true. So Ravison now is dead because the party killed Ravison. She wouldn't tell them anything because she was going crazy. So... Now the moose tells them this, but before the moose told them this, they thought the moose was going to charge them, so the pl- the, one of the PCs cast a spell that put the moose in a big pile of grease. It's from, it's from the Deep Magic uh, book from Cobalt right. Press, okay? And so there's this big pile of grease, so when you try to move out of this area, you have to make a dexterity check, or a dexterity save, and if you fail to save, you fall prone, And it cuts your movement in half. Well, so, and somehow when that happened, so the moose failed their, their deck save, they fell prone, and then something set the oil on fire, set the grease on fire. So now there's this burning moose... And half of the party is like, what are you doing? Get rid of your spell. Make this stop. You're torturing this poor moose, which can't move, right? Because it kept failing its saves and it couldn't right. move far enough to get out of the pile, you know, this this big pool of, of fiery grease. So the moose is burning alive and starts asking the player who was speaking, the PC who was speaking to it telepathically, why are you doing this? I didn't do anything wrong. I've just been doing, I've been trying to, in, you know, make justice and how come you're here torturing me and all these things right so like half of the players get really mad at this other pc for for like setting this thing of boiling oil on fire right so finally they they realize okay this moose is if even if they're not telling the truth they at least think it's the truth right the moose thinks that they know what's going on even if the moose has been lied to so they heal the moose they get the moose out of the boiling oil they heal the moose um and that's when the moose tells them the rest of the story about, oh, well, you know, the sister was killed for knowing something they weren't supposed to know, or the, these loggers are really horrible. So there's only one left. The moose has killed four people. There's only one left. They, they figure out how to get – they end up letting um, the pumpkin spice mummy free okay so the the elven tomb has no, no. no, no. You, has, you're,
0: you're not going to yeah. mention a pumpkin spice
2: m- mummy and then I, not tell people I, what I it know, is i know i so the elven tomb at the top has this mummy in a sarcophagus and if you can figure out how to get the sarcophagus open and there are clues but it's not it's not 100% straightforward depending on how the party approaches it right um, but if they can figure out how to remove the lid of the sarcophagus the mummy will awaken and the mummy smells like pumpkin spice because of all the things that was were used to embalm this mummy. So I had the mummy be actually, rather than just be a kind of intelligence five, like not really useful NPC, which is what they are in the book, I had the mummy be an old Netherese wizard mm. that had died. And so when he, when it came out, it like looked up and was like, what, where, what happened to the city? Where'd the city go? Because it's expecting Ithrin to still be flying above. Right. And that's how the party just heard about the fact that this was an old Netherese empire area. Right. Smart. Meanwhile, the the mummy knows how to get, how to use the mirror and get the, get, you know, make the moon dial work and use the mirror because the party couldn't figure it out. They were trying a whole bunch of things and nothing worked. And so they finally are able to use the mirror, and so the moose says, oh, yeah, that's the one. That's my target. And when they look, they see a guy talking to a person in a store in Lonelywood, and the person that I made be the final one is Daverick Fane. And Daverick Fane is an NPC from the Legacy of the Crystal Shard uh, from the from the f- f- the D&D Next adventure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was he was an acolyte of oral or something, a priest of oral and he has all these grand ideas but but the cool thing that he has is he has a, a Rimeraraz egg. And so he's hiding away because he's he's waiting for oral to bless him again it, in my game. he's waiting for oral to bless him again. and he's got this Rimaraz egg and he's been going around trying to like basically seed discord amongst everyone to get people to have more worshippers, Pray to oral, right? So the party decides, okay, well, we now that we know who he is, now that we can see what he looks like, and we can go talk to the speaker and tell her, you know, what's going on. and we'll we'll make sure that we confront him, in front of a lot of people, including the um the the head of the of the woodcutter's guild, right? Of the loggers guild, because they're refusing to go do any more logging until the till the moose has gone. But now the party can't prove that they got rid of the moose because they didn't kill it. So they can't like bring its head or, you know, whatever. Right. So now they have to go to the speaker. So their plan is, this is where we ended last session, their plan is they are going to um so the the speaker had told them that the priestess of Oral that lives in Lonelywood or that has visited Lonelywood wants to have a festival in in ahead of midwinter in order to prepare everyone for for orals, you know, coming during mid the midwinter holiday. Uh, and so, The speaker has been telling her no, 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 but now they're saying, okay, we need you to go tell her, yes, we want to have a festival, and then at this festival, the party is going to dress up the ASMR PC like an angel and have her face be glowing like a cold light walker, okay, and have her sort of float up and accuse him and say, "I've come to bring justice to you, and you know what you did, and you have to admit it in front of all these people." Basically,
0: so they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna ghost of Christmas past her, or
2: right, right. yeah, <laughs> the Davik Fane. They're gonna do that. And so when they can't, when they the reason they got the cold light walker idea was because when they were traveling back from the from the Elven tomb to get back to Lonelywood, I had them see a cold light. I had them see a light from far away, and it was really super bright, and they looked over, and they saw that it's attached to a humanoid, and they just see this light, and they see a humanoid walking. So they sort of turn to go see what's happening, but the humanoid isn't going towards any town that they know of, and it's not not going towards the tomb that they just came from, so they're not really sure what's going on. So they kind of track it silently for a while, and then when they get to about 90, within 90 feet of it, it sort of turns abruptly... And it starts walking kind of in a a different direction, and they see when it turns that its face is just really bright light, and it's kind of like a, it's just like a beacon or a a spotlight that follows. And they're like, oh, crap. And then they freaked out. They're like, okay, we got to get out of here. This is not right. We're going back. So they turn to go back to town, and they see Oral flying over on the Great White Rock, Mm -hmm. casting the Oral to make because you know, it's midnight, so she's casting the aura. And when she flies over, they see the cold light walker look up, and the light coming from the face of this thing is so bright, it shines on the belly of the rock and like lights the sky up because it's just so bright with the reflection and everything. And they're like, oh crap, we gotta get to town. This is not good. We cannot be out here. So they go back to town. So that's where we end the session. They're level three, and I mean, They've only completed three quests. They're about halfway through catching the serial killer because they're they kind of caught on finally that this must be the traveling caravan because they've passed it when they were traveling from one town to another, they've passed that caravan. And they haven't found the chewinga yet, because I'm just I'm sort of waiting for the right moment that they where they need some levity so they can find the chewingo with silverware and whatnot. Um, and I think the only I, the, I'm only going to do really two more quests. They, they're probably they're definitely going to do the unseen because um, I already worked Torog into the 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 mine quest because he's he's taking over for what Asmodeus is written as written right. So I've worked him in. So I need to do the unseen quest so they learn more about him. And they'll probably do one more. Either they'll do the Black Swords quest or they'll do the East Haven quest: Toil and Trouble. Um, and then they'll move on. Then I'll then I'll start throwing other things at them so that they can start working in the chapter two stuff. And they'll stay level three for a while, and then I'll make them level four just before we move on past chapter two.
0: Yeah, wizards wizards has really leaned on modius as the big bad evil guy in the background. That's never really the main character, right? Or the main, or the main villain uh, a lot. Like, I, as I'm, i because and I realize every time. He shows up, I've changed it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Asmodeus hasn't showed up in my game at all. (laughs) Or any of my games at all. But like, uh, what is it? The Castle Lanterns in in Dragon Heist are worshippers of Asmodeus. And. what's her name lady lady vacher in volakia in curse of Strahd is an asmodeus yeah. worshipper. <laughs> so
2: that so the other thing that we were talking about castelander. So one of my PCs has the runaway author background or, mm-hmm. or secret and that so they wrote the hellborn what is it hell hellbent highborns about all of the people in waterdeep that are right. actually asmodeus worshippers and come to find out what I did was I made one of the, the, um, the barkeep at the bar in Targos. I made his wife, um, leave him because of all the stuff going on. But then they find out later, that's not why she left. She left for, because she was told to leave by other things. And then they find out, Oh, she's a castle Oh, (laughs) It really freaks out the player who wrote the book because she's like, Oh crap, castle This is bad. They might be after me if they know I'm up here and whatever, whatever. So, yeah, but now I see. I don't run in the Sword Coast. I, this is the first uh, right. adventure I've run in the Sword Coast. I usually run homebrew, and and I ran Tomb of Annihilation, um, so Cholt, you know, right? But the thing is, like. For me I'm just not a huge fan of Asmodius. I I would rather throw in Torog, throw the players off. A lot of a lot of the players in this particular game, a couple of them are DMs, so they run in the Sword Coast a lot. So they know a lot of the different background of everything that's happening and they'll have a lot of associations with Asmodius that that are inconsequential but you know whatever. So I want I just want to throw something kind of weird in there for them. So mm-hmm. they don't really know a lot about Torog, but you know, so that makes it sort of more interesting.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, no. I and I'm I'm applauding that. I that's part of why, like, and even even if you're a a Sword Coast Realms purist, like Asmodius is part of Realms lore, but he's not a big deal, like <laughs> to the degree that he would be showing up this this much, right? right. Um, you know, traditional Realms, the Castlanders would have been secret worshippers of of the goddess Shar or something, you know, right. But yeah. but anyway, um, good. You good? I'm good. All right. So it is my turn. Let me get make sure I have 15 minutes on the clock. Um, so last time we talked about my deep darkness. That was the the uh, dragon heist into Curse of Strahd game. They they had returned from Barovia. Uh, Barovia merged with Waterdeep in the surrounding area. The, the Dark Powers were released by Halaster, um, and they fought off a couple of the new champions, including one that was a really important uh, background character for one of the PCs. Uh, and then I gave them an opportunity to go shopping because they had. I've got some, some players that are used to like third edition style play. Um, And so the idea that like we got half a million gold. Well, they didn't get half a million gold, but we built up all this gold and we can't like go buy magic items like that's that's ridiculous. And it's like, well, but yet you also don't need it. And by letting you go and buy magic items at a magic item shop, then then the magic items aren't like special anymore, but, uh, but it had been a, an ongoing thing for about 10 levels. So I finally gave them an opportunity, uh, in, in some downtime. And I said, okay, look, uh, you're all complaining about this publicly in, in the middle of troll skull manner and, and word gets out. And, uh, one morning you wake up and you go downstairs and an imp shows up. Mm. Uh, and this imp is willing to, uh, is, is working for somebody who is willing to make you a deal. Uh, and that deal is, you sign this contract and you get one journey, one trip uh, to a magic item shop that will have everything that you want. And it's and it's actually a magic item shop I that has been existing in campaigns I've been playing in since Second Edition, uh, and it's in Sigil, and it's and it's run by. At one time, it was run by Beelzebub, and although now I've changed it to Mammon because that makes more sense. Um, so it's run by the demon lord or the the dev archdevil Mammon mm-hmm. right Archdevil of greed uh and 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 he's you know he's pretty straightforward. It's like yeah whatever you want uh, I can sell it to you and there might be a little bit of a markup that they don't know about uh and and it was it was a lot of like I was very clear because the one player who there was two players who signed up the contract and only one of them have actually gone the other one's saving it for later um and, and so the one that went, uh, I told him, like, this was the guy who was steeped in third edition, right? And he just wanted to be able to say, here's all the magic items I want. I, I've I've looked through the catalog. I know what I want. I'm like, yeah, but your character wouldn't know. So for every item that you want to do that with, you're going to have to talk through what you're looking for and narrow it down and look at options until you get what you want. And he's going to charge you 100 gold pieces for every item you do that just for his time. Uh, and he still did it with, like... 90 percent of the things that they bought there were only i think there were only two items that he's like i just want a dagger that does more damage and let me be creative and come up with something right only twice Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but so we did the shopping trip and that and that happened and we did that all sort of off camera between sessions uh just between him and i and then he came back and um and i had this really like this idea that i had actually from listening to sam and brandis on um the the 12 days of edition wars Uh, i think it was the dmg2 maybe from third edition where they talked about spirit companions
2: yep yep that's the one
0: yeah so i was I, i was inspired by that and i'm like the some of my players really like leaf the, the poltergeist of Trollskull Manor that you're able to sort of get on your side. <laughs> and he,
1: yeah, sure. He's, he's,
0: he's, you know, this poltergeist has basically been working as the general manager of Trollskull Manor. When, when the entire manor was taken to Barovia, uh, I said that the, the, the transition of going to Barovia actually made him visible again. He actually became a little bit more powerful. Um, and, and then they came back and, and, um, he had he had learned some things in Barovia uh, for in ways that I don't want to waste time going into, uh, but he had learned some things in Barovia and and at this point he's like I want to I want to have a chance to fulfill my purpose right I I am here I haven't been able to move on and it's because I need to protect this place and I've come to the realization with all these dark powers running around that this place for me has become. This world, and I think you're sort of going to be the 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 way to do that. And so, Leaf uh, conducted this ritual. Asked them to go shopping. They spent a bunch of uh, gold on on various components. And then he conducted this ritual. And I and I even wrote out sort of the description of the ritual. And he 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 gets the special bowl that they got him. Oh uh, well, no, it's actually they had got him a, a sand tray that he could use to write. Because he couldn't can't talk to him, right? So he had this sand tray that he'd been using since like level two or three with them uh, to talk. So he dumps all the sand out and he puts the the various um, spell components into it, and and they're they're immediately shocked. It's like, but now you can't talk. You you got rid of your sand tray. And He gets embers from the the fireplace and he's and he sets fire to the to the comp- to the, the all the various components, and the smoke fills the area. And I described that that it um, this this sort of magical bond between the players becomes visible. You can see these motes of light traveling in a spider web between all the players. Uh, This bond that had that, that uh, leaf had described formed between them when they were in Barovia. Uh, But there's a darkness in that bond too. There's motes of darkness from the taint of being in Barovia. Uh, And then he floats into the center and he's full of all these motes of light and darkness and his, Motes of darkness sort of negate their motes of darkness and it strengthens the bond between them and that was sort of this this ritual that I described and he sort of becomes he becomes part of the bond. He's no longer an apparition that can run around in in the world anymore. Um, He's part of this bond and I gave them sort of the tier one um, ability of the the spirit companion from that DMG and I had a player or a character no a player in tears Over it, and that was—that's what I was thinking about when when I was uh, thinking about Mike's uh, great idea of like, hey, pause for a moment, because I was watching her crying, and I'm like is this something where I need to stop? <laughs> and, and and I probably should have just to check in and make sure she was okay. Uh, but honestly, I don't think in the end that she would have wanted me to because she was caught up in the narrative and she was really enjoying it, even though it was emotional and, and all that kind of stuff, right? She um, But it probably still would have been smarter for me to stop and, and check in on her. Um, but so, yeah, so that really sort of um, – intense moment happened and it was and it was it was really strong and it was great um and then they decided that they want to of the they each had a vision a couple several sessions before this of one of the new champions of the dark powers um in the world and um so they know about gargoth being one of them in el uh and and the contract that they signed that the the two of them signed with the devil uh was that gargoth can't be killed you have to find a way to trap him. You can't actually kill Gargoth, the champion, because I'm I'm trying to set it up that they're going to create the Shield of the Hidden Lord. Um, but they ultimately they wanted they didn't want to care about that one. They want to go after the necromancer. The one of the the halfling druid character has this necromancer that he's that has haunted him since his his background that killed his wife and daughter uh, <laughs> in, in his background way back in Methwood. Um, and, and he wants to go after the necromancer because that the necromancer has become one of the, the champions of the dark powers. And, and I'm like, well, great because the necromancer is actually named a Sararak. Uh, and he's hanging out down in this tomb in Chalt, right? Um, and so they've just gotten to a level where he can cast tree stride and he's like, well, I saw a vision of it. Surely there was a big tree in that jungle. So they tree stride straight to Omu. I can skip the entire adventure, which is which is perfect because uh, I think it was, as Mike very clearly pointed out. Like you build up these characters and you do this big exploration thing, and then you go into a death trap dungeon that's just there to kill them. And that's yeah. not that's a, a major shift. Uh, so we just skip straight to the death trap dungeon. But they're also like thirteenth level, so they're a little higher level than than what you're supposed to be at the end of the the dungeon. I and I'm uh, I was I'm hoping that that makes it a little more survivable for them. Uh, and so they've spent the last three sessions two or three sessions in uh the tomb of the nine gods i've completely removed uh the the spirits um the the trickster spirits the the nine gods themselves uh, i've sort of alluded to them but the spirits aren't there anymore i didn't want to have to deal with them running around omu and finding the cube so i just took that out and i swapped out the the entrance puzzle with one of the puzzles from tasha's uh, and so that worked well um and and yeah and so so they've been in the first one the first time they got as soon as they the first time they got there and they were really struggling with that puzzle from Tasha's and I was worried like okay maybe this isn't going to be fun for them like they seem to be really frustrated with the fact that they're having trouble figuring out this puzzle and so I asked them all afterwards like no 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 I love the puzzles puzzles are great we were having trouble with it but it was fun and then you get it and it, and it was awesome you know okay great so so we can keep trying and honestly the rest of the puzzles in. So far, anyway, in the Tomb of the Nine Gods, they're not puzzle puzzles. They're not like, they're not sort of, I don't know, lot. They're not logic puzzles. They're not they're not that kind of puzzle uh, like the ones in Tasha's are. Um, they're they're tricky. They're trap things, right? But um, they've gone through a bunch of stuff, and they only cleared out like half of the first level. So once they get down to the vault and realize they're missing a skeleton key, they're going to have to come all the way back up. That's why I'm putting inside the sarcophagi. I'm putting random ones have the skeleton key uh, that they need to open up the vault. Uh, and so they missed one. They're going to have to come back up, which will be a good lesson for them because they have a tendency even now to just rush to the end. Even when it, they're kicking themselves about it, like they did with Curse of Strahd, they ran straight to Strahd and didn't explore the catacombs and the rest of the castle very much, uh, and kind of kicked themselves for for missing all that. One of the players even told me, I made the mistake of looking at the module and realized I missed a chance for a staff of power, and I'm, and I'm really mad about it. I'm like, well, you made two mistakes there. One, you didn't go exploring, and you could have, and, and two, st- stop reading the module of the adventure we're running, <laughs> you know? That's no fun. Um, so yeah. So anyway, the, the yeah, it's it's going well, and they're enjoying the 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 like the the combat encounters because they're higher level are a cakewalk. Like they run into a tomb guardian. Oh no, it's another one of those. It takes us around a round and a half. We put it down and we move on. Uh, if we're if, if it's if the tomb garden guardian is really lucky, maybe it hits us once or twice, and and they do some decent damage, but. Um, the Tomb Guardians aren't super scary. Uh, have you have you seen my Sly
1: Flourish Enhanced Tomb Guardian Generator? I have, I have
0: not. No. So badass. I'll have
1: to look you at know, it. Gotta, yeah.
0: Uh, but they they also the reason they only explored half of the first level is because they found the secret door that goes down into like the workshop area. Uh, and so they went. They're like, well we know there's all these we saw these other stairs we saw these other places we could go but clearly if it's behind a secret door we should go there uh and so they went they went down the stairs and they found the where you know where they make the tomb guardians and they they wiped out all the tomb dwarves and they found withers and killed withers and so now there's nobody there to sort of go go around and reset the traps and all that um uh, and then they they did clear out all of level two, but instead of going down the big stairs, they haven't gone up or down the big stairs once. <laughs> instead of going down the big stairs, they went down the the green devil uh, mouth that's in the mm-hmm. one room that that goes down into the middle of one of the sarcophagus rooms, one of the the, mm. the, the crypts or whatever. Uh, and and it's and I'm realizing because that's where that's how where we ended last session was they just sort of climb down this rope that they've set up down through the darkness into the the and it's the one that's set up with all the hieroglyphs in a, in a pattern on the floor and you're supposed to like follow instructions on the door that you use to get into the room that there's a dial or whatever that shows you which tiles to step on in order to unlock the sarcophagus but they just repelled down into the middle of it and i'm kind of conv- like the adventure kind of implies that congratulations you found a shortcut and you bypassed the the trap except it also describes that the only way to open the sarcophagus is to step on the the right tiles in order to get it to open do you remember what level that's on it's on the third level third level yeah so i I gotta look it back up so they're all in the inside the the room the clue – and they're looking around like, let's search the walls. Let's look around. There's almost always clues about these things, right? Well, they, the clue is on the door on the outside of the room. <laughs> and they can't get to it without stepping on the hieroglyphs' tiles. And if they step – every time you step on the wrong one, locusts swarm out of the statues and the, the sphinx statues yeah, in the corners and attack them. One. So like yeah. it's going to be – there's going to be 500 magical locust uh, swarms right. attacking them. Because they have no chance of, of guessing what the right tiles are to get out uh, correctly, uh, so it
1: might be might be time to throw a skill on it, a skill well, check.
0: And 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 part of me. So there was a previous um, situation where they got to a, a coffin, and and I remembered wrong, and in my quick skimming of the room as they went into it, like I I skimmed it wrong, and it was one where where like this the coffin is secured to the floor with sovereign glue yeah and that way you can't move it out from under the light so when you open it the light hits the plaque on the inside and the bad things happen right right um but i it, i read it wrong and i read it as the coffin lid is secured with sovereign
1: oh, glue oh no they couldn't get into <laughs> so it so
0: there's no way to open it <laughs> so it, they, yeah. they they're like well and, and, and they, they, they got the genie uh, and, and they freed the genie and the genie agreed to, uh, to be sort of honor bound to provide them with three spells, the casting of three spells, uh, and, then, and then it'll go away. So they, they used up one of the genie spells on, on that saying, well, cast Stone shape or Passwall on the coffin lid, except that the module explicitly says that neither of those things work. Mm-hmm. Uh so so I ultimately I let them just just take uh tools and just smash the the lid uh, a hole in the lid so they could figure out what was in there. Uh and and so that was a mess and so now I'm kind of I'm kind of tempted since I've already set the precedent that you can eventually like spend half an hour to an hour just smashing a hole in the lid maybe I'll just let them do that here with this uh right. with this Egyptian themed one instead of punishing them for finding the shortcut that, that the module says or like acts like it's a good thing. But then it turns out it actually punishes you for doing it. Cause it, cause it was in one of the, like there's clues to the, to the puzzles or the traps on the wall in the big stair room on each floor. And this, and the one on level two specifically says that like, it's a good idea to, to go down into the darkness, to, to jump down in that hole or whatever. Not yeah. maybe not jump, but go down, go down in the in that hole, and then you do it, and it, and it it's not true because it puts you in the middle of this thing, and no way to figure <laughs> out the solution, because so, yeah. there's nobody on the outside to look at the solution. So, so anyway, so can that's where. Can we're Can I at.
1: offer you some uh, official sly flourish, super dangerous tomb guardians? Yes. An abyssal tomb guardian armed with a forceful morning star and a flaming spiked chain empowered by a fire shield spell.
0: And those are Uh, uh
1: Yeah, uh, do a search for tomb guardian generated. I paste it into the Twitch chat here too. Oh, Here's another fun one. A dragonborn tomb guardian armed with an acidic warhammer and a thunderous flail empowered by a spirit guardian spell. So they all have like a spell that sort of <laughs> right. fires off. And then they've got weapons that are powered by crazy elemental stuff. Right, they right, all right. have an origin, and the weapons are all different. So every time Please. you see them, they're like, "What? The, you know, what the hell is that?" Well, and and I had like, I had like a um, uh, what are those? What are those evil Fey dwarves called? Red caps. I had a red oh. cap armed with a pair of like necrotic scythes that had greater invisibility, so you you could hear him, but you couldn't see him. Oh wow! And he, and he would just cut the heads off of people with his crazy scythes. It That's was awesome. awesome.
0: Yeah, no, that, that'll be good. That'll be cool. I'm, I'm definitely going to look it's at that ways pull, to flavor the tomb that. guardian. Yeah. And, and ultimately, like and, and I even told them to, this to them that that the fact that the combat encounters so far have been a cakewalk, I'm kind of OK with because that's not what they're freaked out about. And and that's not what's supposed that's to freak you out about that. Dungeon. Right. The two yeah.
1: guardians are like ushers. Right. They're there to sort of shovel you into these rooms. Right. You know, more than they are anything else. Like Withers, Withers, I think my groups kept Withers around because he was the guy that did polls on how sad they were. Right. Like he was like, oh, when you went into that, like how depressed were you (laughs) after doing the trap on a scale of one to ten? Right. Like how how hopeless. And they were like, oh, yeah, it was terrible. It's "Oh good, good. Yeah,
0: I, I, I ran Withers as written, and Withers is written is like he's really curious, and he asks you lots of questions, and 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 right. they, they and they had this conversation with him, and then they're like, okay, well, I guess we'll go, and then to kill we'll, you now. Well, no, one they're like, well, I guess we'll go, and I'm like, all right, well, I never got to the part where he says it's time to kill you, uh, but then one player was like, oh no, I want to ask him that, so they went back, yeah, <laughs> and that's what that's when the conversation continues, like, all right, well, this was fun, but I guess it's time for you to die now, so. <laughs> Um, and I boosted his hit points a little bit and whatever made yeah, can.
1: I think I turned mine into a lich. I made him really powerful.
0: Okay. Uh, the one thing that I was struggling with, um, two weeks ago was resting in the tomb. Um, you know, what, yeah. what's the, what stops you from just doing a five minute work day and, and taking a 24 hour rest, uh, tomb guardians know, all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Except they've wiped out the way the k- tomb guardians are made. In theory, there's only so many of them left. Right. Um, But I I ran into what I have to assume was the intentional solution to this that they never seem to spell out in the adventure is that there's three hags running around on the ethereal plane. And night hags have a nightmare yeah, ability your, that specifically that, yeah. that specifically messes with people who sleep.
1: Yeah, uh, I used that; and it was great.
0: And so I so I figured, well, sure, there's one hanging out watching them in the ethereal plane right now. Uh, and he, so even though they threw up their their tiny hut, the the hag was inside the hut with them. Uh,
2: mm-hmm. And
0: so and so I just I rolled at random. I I came I created a chart. Uh, so I have five players. Uh, and I made four possible visions that were actual like tied to their character and their arc and all that kind of stuff, right? So uh, there's there's five visions. Uh, four for or no four visions for each of them so there's 20 total visions so when they rested i just told one of the players hey roll a d20 whatever number it is that's who's having the vision and what vision they're having <laughs> and it happened to be him His so his character had the vision uh and and it it was you know it, it had the impact right it freaked him out and so i'm thinking you know next time they do a long rest maybe that hag brought another hag along and now there's two
2: no. see i i I did the thing where so they cast Lehman's Tiny Hut and every time they would try to do something like that I would have Withers show up yeah and he would like come up to the thing and he would he they would see him like knocking on it and trying to like (laughs) figure out how to like what side like doing all these measurements you know and and like trying to figure out what it's made of and doing all these things because of course he's he's one of the architects right like he maintains it he knows how everything works so he was trying to figure out everything and I mean I also made it So he could just cast a spell. He could dispel it, and he he did one time so that they would learn that he could do that. But like for for the first time they did it, he was over there. They're like, who the hell is this guy? Because they would see him like trying to listen and like do measurements and trying to like use different tools to cut a little window in it and like (laughs) do all these things that that they and it kept them like paranoid and preoccupied because they're like, is he going to figure out some way to undo it? Like so they did not get a real good. I gave them the. I gave them the benefit of the rest one time, and then the next time they did it, he came and he was using ever more Mm. powerful ways to get rid of, because it was blocking his property, right. you know. So right. and,
0: and that's yeah. a great solution, except that they can they killed my withers in session one. So
1: <laughs> yeah, back. He's
2: yeah. He that's comes, like,
1: true. Huh. yeah. Dead. like that's true. Yeah. So um the yeah one of my, a couple of my favorite ones were the time that he completely covered theirs in in crawling claws. So the minute they they popped out and they were done they got crawling claws all dropping over. all over like, <laughs> ah, ah, like hands crawling on their faces. Yeah 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 and the other time they woke up and there's this little bead that's sitting right in front of a little orange orange bead and it was a delayed blast fireball. And oh. it blew up and immediately did like seven, you know, like 45 damage to them right after arrest.
0: So far I really like using the I like using the hags in this way. And I think if I just slow if I just slowly ramp it up and I've got these visions and so it it feels really visceral and emotional for them. Um, so I think if it's just, you know, the first time it's one and the second time there's two at random and the second the third time there's three of them at random that are and, and slowly they're getting less and less benefit uh, yeah. from the rest anyway, and they never know who's going to get hosed And you know? Um, so, uh, I'm going to keep trying that for now, uh, instead of just bringing withers back, I might bring it back at some point, but right now they're, they're going to deal with a beholder cause that's the level they're on is the beholder. Yeah. Level. Yeah.
1: A, a beholder that can I, can I offer suggestions? Yeah. Uh, so the beholders invisibility makes it really, really tough. Um, but I would probably, if your characters are powerful, uh, I would throw a couple of blind, blind sight, powerhouse monsters to knock them around uh, when the beholder's using his anti-magic shell on them. Because dar- one casting of darkness can ruin a beholder, right? right? Like be- everything a beholder does requires that he can see, but he can use his anti-magic. You know, he can use his anti-magic cone to get rid of the darkness, but he can't then use eye rays on them. Right. So if you put some guys that can see in darkness, they can go and pummel the hell out of the people that are casting darkness or invisibility. So it's a real well, you know.
0: Maybe there's a couple of souped up sly flourish tomb guardians hanging out in there with them.
1: Blind yeah, blind yeah, blind you know, tomb blind guardians. Blind sight blind sight tomb guardians would yeah. be awesome. Yeah. With their acidic flails and flaming whips. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, we
0: all, we all well. You know what? No, I've significantly gone over my time. Mike significantly went <laughs> over his time. Sam just went a little bit over his time because Sam is the consummate professional.
2: No, it's because last time I went way over and then I had to leave early, so I missed oh. Mike's thing. <laughs> oh, that, I was well. trying to be a team player this week. <laughs> did
0: you, Mike, did you say you you put that um, link in the the Twitch chat?
1: I I did. Yeah. But you can search for search for Tomb Guardian generator. That's
0: usually what I do. I was the most recently I was thinking about because um, my current campaign might be over in somewhere between two months and I don't know, six months. So, you know, so I'm starting to think about what we're going to do next. And, and I know eventually our next big campaign will be to sit into Avernus, but I think we need a, some palate cleanser, shorter things in between. Uh, yeah. And one of the things I always go to, especially because they've never played it before, is um, I still think one of the best sessions I've ever had of a role-playing game was Aeon Wave. Uh, Yay! Thank it, you. It, both both as, as a GM and as a player, when you ran it, uh, it was just really good. Uh, so what, I guess what I'm saying is I know it's probably not one of your better-selling products or whatever, but like, yeah. I need more Aeon <laughs> Wave because that, that was phenomenal. <laughs>
1: I'm glad you glad you dug it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, uh, so uh, so while we're praising Mike, I just want to give some praise to fantastic layers. <laughs>
1: I've
2: I've used a couple of those layers about four times in three different games now. Mm. I mean, I I fiddle with them and I change them, but mm-hmm. also it's the same with Two uh, C Gaming's. Um, TPK handbook yep. thing. They, yeah. That's basically a book of layers, two of of different levels. Mm-hmm. Um, in first slightly different format, you know. It's, it's, but like that sort of stuff, I really like that kind of product because I can pull it, I can put it into my game, I can change mm-hmm. it however I want. I don't have to read twenty pages of giant backstory, you know, and that sort of thing. And and it's kind of the difference between you know when you get a product like Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, where as you say, you're spending fifty bucks, you're getting three hundred pages of Content and it's good and it's in depth and it's big, but man, it's a lot to do. Mm-hmm. Whereas I can run a game, you know, I can run a one shot with a fantastic layer and have a great gaming session and then not have to worry about, you know, doing anything else. So yeah, it's it's nice.
0: Yeah, no, I've had I've had. Uh, I mean, I think I, I desire both kinds of products in my world. Uh, oh sure, but yeah. but I have uh, there are there are not enough of those kinds of products, and I've leaned on them fairly heavily. Actually, just the other day, I was looking through fantastic layers uh, and some other things similar to it pretty extensively because like I have all these champions of dark powers running around in, in my Forgotten Realms now I need layers and places for them to be because I don't really know where two of them are the rest of them are all all three I guess I know where three of them are the rest there's but there's like 20 some of them so I'm like what what if they decide to go hunt down Tarhawk who's like kind of been featured since level three because that's who ca- the Castle Anters were were worshipping uh, you know uh um, where the hell is Tar hawk gonna be? Um, in fact, Tar Hawks champion I think is the one that I made that uh, the Castle Antar children merged together and became this giant two-headed kaiju. Um, the, so- <laughs> the soulless Castle Antar children in the middle of Waterdeep turned into this two-headed kaiju and stomped their way out of the city. Um, so, so yeah, so so I, yeah, I've used that. Uh, I'm I'm pulling from that as well whenever they are going to some. Champion, that I'm not sure what the heck is going on there. I'm, I'm pulling from those layers and, and things like that pretty heavily. So,
1: good job, Mike. Yeah, if I could just give a plug, it's now officially it's officially for sale uh, to everybody. So, go to mm-hmm. drive and right now it's the number two bestseller on drive through RPG. Hey, there you go. So, if you go to drive RPG, well, let's you know, get it to number now, one. That'd be great. We got to beat out Ci- Cyberpunk Red. Is the t- <laughs> that we have to do. so, I don't know about that. Like, go know, for it. Surpassing are passing another entire RPG is a little hard, Dang, but uh, you're better than them. yeah, so, so um, yeah, so you can, you can find fantastic layer on drive through RPG or go to fantastic and you can uh, find it on all of its various avenues, but yeah, it's now out. It's in hardcover and softcover and PDF. The PDF includes VTT maps to play online.
0: Yep. And, which, uh, yeah. which will be huge. I, I spent, I probably, yeah. Sp-
1: even if you only use the maps are useful.
0: I right? probably, like, I probably put, 10 15 hours into converting the two of the nine gods to uh,
1: a vtt uh, really?
0: and even then the the grid doesn't line up quite right but i didn't want to buy yeah. the product just to run the one dungeon so
1: yeah 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 so ours ours tells you the dimensions both in squares and in pixels Oh, perfect uh inside the file so that you can you can tell it exactly how big it is we Sweet. tested it in yeah, we tested in every VTT. That well, means, I figured
2: because uh, I always just just turn off the grid on. Yeah, the other one is turn off turn off the grid and turn off. I snap just turn 20. off the grid <laughs> and leave the grid. Use the map with the and grid the on it grid. and just turn so. off the grid and snap to. Yeah, it just, just then
0: then auras and things for characters aren't aren't quite right, but it'll be okay. No, yeah, I, I I'm not disagreeing. <laughs> I've 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 done it. It's been fine. <laughs> Damn Um, it, Jeff.
1: It'll be fine.
0: (laughs) But I figured it would be set up well to to work well. uh, Yes, the fantastic. Because James, James, who worked on the product with you, uh, also used to work for Roll20 basically doing that. So I figured. Yeah, yeah. he did a lot of the conversion
1: for it. Yeah. 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 So we and all the all the cartographers. That we worked with, we gave him specs to make sure that the maps came back and were, right. were suitable for VT. We,
0: we've been saying entirely too many nice things to Mike, so we need to move. Oh on no! And go ahead and wrap the show up. I know <laughs> that uh Mike hey, gets a bit of a big head, and we don't want to. No. We don't want to encourage that.
2: Well, so. <laughs> okay. So I can tout my product then. Uh, the yeah. of oral, which is on DM's Guild, is a copper bestseller now. It's sold more fifty. It's called the Creed of Oral. It is a uh, it's it's for your Rhyme of the Frost Maiden game if you want to put the the Cult of Oral into the game. I am
1: yes, I do, and I'm going to buy it right now. Yeah, heck, heck yeah! If, if if I ever
0: decide to run Rhyme of the Frost Maiden after all of my concerns about it that have not necessarily been allayed as I listen to people actually running it, um, that'll be my first go to add on to it. So because any more. Anymore, I don't. I don't run any published adventures without buying a bunch of stuff on, on DM's Guild and adding to it. So, all right, this episode is over. We are finished. So that's the, end of the that's the end of the episode. And say goodbye, guys. Goodbye, guys. Bye, Bye guys. And we'll see you all later.